When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Succession. For your awards consideration, Succession, the HBO original drama praised by Vulture as the best show on TV. Hailed by the Chicago Sun-Times for being wickedly funny and wildly entertaining, don't miss what IndieWire calls fall TV's must-see event. Succession is now streaming on HBO Max. Welcome to The Playlist Podcast, a weekly discussion of films and TV. I'm your host, Charles Barfield, Managing Editor of The Playlist. And joining me for this discussion, I have one of my regular co-hosts, Mike D'Angelo, and Editor-in-Chief of The Playlist, Rodrigo Perez. Are you guys ready to talk about the greatest love story ever told? (laughs) Yes. Actually, I should amend that because I'm reminded now when I say that, that Vin Diesel said that the greatest love story ever told was in Fast and Furious between him and Letty. So... Yeah, this you're probably right. Or him greatest. and Paul Walker is probably a better... Pablo. Pablo. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Enough of that. We'll save that for our, our Fast and Furious breakdown. <laughs> uh, it's been nearly 20 years since we last saw Neo, Trinity, Morpheus, and the rest, rest of the Matrix folks, but they're back for the latest Matrix movie titled The Matrix Resurrections. This time, instead of both Wachowskis, we're just getting Lana, but Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss are back to show us why this whole franchise is really all about love. We're going to dive deep into the Matrix Resurrections in this podcast. We're going to give our thoughts about the film. And much like our last discussion about Spider-Man No Way Home, this should be a lively one. And I think (laughs) we're all on the same side. Well, no, I mean, similar sides, I should say. We've got one curmudgeon in the group. Yeah. But you guys guess who that is. Which is standard. Yep. And as we always do for this type of movie, we're going to begin the discussion with some strictly non-spoiler talk where we go over our general thoughts on the film and whether or not we recommend it. Then after that, I'll warn you before we move into the spoiler part. But before we dive into the Matrix sequel, I got to tell you the Playlist Podcast is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes Be Real, The Fourth Wall, Deep Focus, The Discourse, and more. And if you want to find us- Yellow Stoners! And Yellow Stoners. (laughs) (laughs) And if you want to find us, you can check your podcast app of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, anywhere else you find your favorite shows. Okay, gentlemen, right off the bat, I got to say, like Spider-Man talking about the Matrix Resurrections in a non-spoiler situation is going to be tough. But that said, I want to know your overall thoughts about Resurrections. So, Mike, why don't you start us off? Yeah, happy to. Uh, As a fan of the Matrix and its original sequels, for me, I think I can confidently say that it's the best of the sequels for me. Um, and, And for people who are fans of the whole series, but your enjoyment of the film kind of depends on how much you enjoy the sequels and their tendency to get a bit up their own ass with the amount of ideas they present and how much uh, uh, you enjoy movies and TV series that really lean into the metal of it, the meta of it all. Um, And that's because this movie really leans into the meta. Uh, And there's so much of that, that there's a whole, new kind of comedic element that hasn't really been present in, in any of the films. And I 
some of it I found really charming. Some of it I was like, okay, enough guys. But I really like a lot of things about the movie. I like that it's a commentary on humanity over the last 20 years about nostalgic consumerism that we've been having a lot of chats about <clears throat> Spider-Man and <laughs> the false narratives that are fed to people like us. Um, those, those us versus them, real versus fake matrix versus Spider-Man uh, sequels versus reboots, you know, the, the matrix versus its own sequels and the <laughs> idea that, in the end, like you were kind of alluding to, it's not about opposing forces slamming against each other that's going to help humanity. It's about connection and love. Aww. And I, I really like that she kind of threw in that tribute to her parents wrapped into this movie and also found a way to deconstruct the Matrix within all of it. And I still haven't even touched all the ideas that this film presents. So I just really appreciate that Lana Wachowski took the trappings of her own creation, which had become a bit of a prison to her, you know, and created an interesting meta action love story out of it that for me largely works, mostly due, obviously, to the insane chemistry between Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss. But, you know, it reframes characters and scenarios from the first films and presents them and introduces new faces that, you know, knock their parts out of the water, uh, specifically Jessica Henwick, uh, her Bugs character, Jonathan Groff, uh, I won't say his name, Yaya Abdul-Mateen's Morpheus, really big fan of what he did, uh, especially being like painted into a corner with his role. Uh, and I have a feeling that it's going to be a really rewarding rewatch too, because there's so much going on. So I look forward to watching it again. And I on really HBO only Max. Think, yes, on HBO Max. <laughs> um, hey, they got to get those streaming numbers from someone and I'll yeah. definitely give them a few. Um, but the, the only thing I can really slight against it is the Matrix itself. The first film was such a groundbreaking action film and the action was just game changing for blockbusters. Like everybody tried to copy them or one up them or do something similar to the matrix after it came out. Um, and this one, the, the action was fine. It was good, but it wasn't matrix level, you know? So it kind of had itself to compete with there, but even so I thought it was a really entertaining, interestingly thought out sequel. You know, that, that made me think of something my wife said, actually, after I mm. told her I saw this movie and I was like really excited about it. Uh, <laughs> she goes, she hasn't seen the, the sequels. She only watched the first Matrix probably 20 years ago. And she, the first thing she said was, are they still wearing those silly leather costumes? <laughs> and I was like, oh boy, this movie is not for you. Um, <laughs> speaking of movie, not for you, Rodrigo, what were your thoughts on the Matrix Resurrections? I think, isn't it PVC? Oh, you're correcting my uh, my use of leather. Um, yeah, leather. I, I would I would imagine that some of it is actual PVC. I don't think it's actually leather. I think it's more like yeah, PVC, right? You know, I guess I don't know. I'm you're not right. really into the uh, the culture, so I don't know. <laughs> uh -oh. Whatever, dude. I've seen you in shiny black outfits. Well, technically, I do wear black pretty much every day. It's just not PVC. Anyway, we're getting way into where, what are we talking about here? Rodrigo, shit on the Matrix, please. <laughs> I don't know if I need to, or not even need to, want to, or it's like, I, like, you know, we just talked Spider-Man and, and, you know, 
my feelings aren't as strong. And at the same level, I, I think it's, first of all, I thought everything Mike said was really interesting. And I was like, I wish I could have seen that version of the movie because <laughs> <laughs> that was actually quite thoughtful. And I was like, um, I mean, I, I think what's cool is that like the one thing what's, it's interesting, I think to the outside person, I think everybody can agree. Everybody agree. Like, it seems like Mike's there. I'm sure you're there, Charles, regardless whether you like this movie or not, I think everybody can agree that it's like super meta and oh, yeah. meta beyond probably anything we've ever seen in a franchise movie, if not most mainstream movies. It's Rick and Morty level. Yeah. yeah. So I think maybe that's the, um, because some people really hate the meta part aspect of it and certain people really, I think even people who really like it, some people just go like, yeah, it's not my favorite, but I look past it. And I've heard a lot of that kind of thing. Like it didn't bother me so much. I get that it's a little bit dumb, but I'm okay with that because of yeah, 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 this and that. Um, I do he is good the in the movie. What's that? <laughs> just, you were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, he is good in the movie. Uh, anyway. uh, I think the love story part of it is actually kind of interesting. Um, uh, but, and I, I actually think, well, the action is a funny interest is, a, is an interesting thing to bring up because the action is not so great in terms of compared to matrix movies. Yeah. Um, the action coordinator, a choreographer, I'm going to butcher his name, but I believe it's uh, young ping from the original ones. Uh, he was like uh, the action uh, choreographer of the original ones, and he's not involved in these ones. Um, I think that might have some of that might have been due because of COVID and things like that. Um, so, like the action does pale in comparison to the original in terms of the way it's shot and the way it's choreographed and all that. But the action in the last act of the movie is so fun and so over the top and so ridiculous that that's where I just started to be like, oh, I'm kind of enjoying this. This is kind of just kind of fun and dumb. And um, I, I guess maybe my best way to put it is that like, I, I'm, I always say that like, turn off your brain and just enjoy the film is one of the most um, kind of condescending and asinine ways to see a movie. Um, and this and yet, isn't that kind of movie, man. No, no well, <laughs> no, but uh, to me, like for me to finally enjoy it, I actually had to kind of go there. Like by the end, I was like, all right, this is just so silly. None of it makes a lick of fucking sense. Um, it's it's beyond uh, uh, nonsensical in a way, way beyond the, what the original, like I, I'm totally on board with the original Matrix trilogy. And I, I, I mean, I don't think the second and third ones are as good, but I think everyone agrees about that. Um, and I think I, 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 you know, as much as I don't, I don't think those second, third films are all that great. I think the trilogy itself is still like, I buy into all the ideas. It's fine. This sort of just like, it's like, what? It just becomes, it's so exposition heavy. It's so, the, the entire film is almost an excuse for its, its own existence in through <laughs> exposition, um, which is a really hard road to, to, to get past if you're sensitive to exposition and sensitive to like a movie that's like needs to explain itself and justify its existence while it's also trying to critique sequels while being a sequel. Like there's a lot of, I, I, I gotta say some of the, the takes that I've seen that people being like, yeah, matrix four is like a, is like a, it's, it's giving two, two, uh, you know, fingers to sequels and 
all that kind of stuff. I'm like, this is the fourth matrix asshole. Like, are you fucking like, are you that clueless about what you just said? Are you that un- unself-aware? So yes, it's critiquing sequels and sequel culture and all that stuff, but it is that. So you can't kind of have your cake and eat it too. And it tries to. Um, so, you know, a very clunky, silly, difficult uh lead up to me and then and then somewhere maybe in the second half third half I just kind of was like all right whatever let's just kind of like uh, there's no point in trying to understand what this is trying to be let's just enjoy it for what it is and the action and love crescendo is pretty fun so uh I don't think it's all that great um but I think he I find myself just being like all right let's just fucking enjoy what we can and like some of the the, the action in the last that last act while n- not of on par with matrix is still pretty badass and fun. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think you bring up a good point, Rodrigo, a lot of what you're saying, I think kind of gels with what I'm thinking too, except I, I am much more positive about the overall movie because the way I see it, which I think is interesting is that this kind of, in my mind boils down to having just Lana Wachowski and not Lil- Lily Wachowski. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the first major movie I think the first movie they've done separately. Um, I know Lily's working on her TV show on Showtime. Um, but what I noticed, and I think I mentioned this to you, Mike, as we were leaving the screening, this is really silly, uh, borderline dumb in places, but like gloriously dumb, like kind of doesn't mm-hmm. give a shit dumb. And I was there for it. But I think what it is, is I think it's <laughs> without Lily, Lana's clearly the chemistry, fun, you know, uh, storytelling half of that duo. Whereas I think the stuff that's missing might be, you know, that self-serious world building, high philosophical discussion, pontification, that sort of thing, which may be what Lily brought to the franchise. I mean, so, there's still a lot of high f- philosophical discussion. Right, but but it felt like it was uh, the watered down version of that, right? So- one of the things that, uh, without getting into spoilers, I think Rodrigo talks about the exposition here. What we got in Matrix Reloaded, when I think of exposition dumps of exposition dumps, it's that architect scene, right? Yeah. Where it's literally two guys in a room surrounded by TVs, just talking back and forth about these high philosophical questions, okay? And in this, we get similar scenes, but they're, they're a bit quicker. They're a bit less wordy in like, you know, they're, they're more... Uh, four quadranty, <laughs> like you know, this is going to appeal to the the kids and the adults, right? So they don't get too crazy with it. And then there's always something going on when they're doing it, right? There's a character walking around, you know. There's little bursts of action to break up the the stuff and then slow down. So I feel like this is a much more streamlined Matrix movie than the two sequels, and for that, I'm I'm very happy. And yet, it's the longest sequel. It is. It is. But mm-hmm. we, I just, I feel like. The Matrix uh, trilogy, the first Matrix kind of was, you know, this weird uh, out of nowhere sort of revolutionary movie. The second and third Matrix ones, Reloading Revolutions, were kind of just like you said, Mike, up their own ass with all these philosophical discussions. (laughs) And it kind of just lost its way. They got bogged down with all that plot and all that world building. And a lot of it just didn't work. I I find them both fun to watch, but um, there are moments where I even check out. This one, though, felt like, you know, 
let's get back to the fun of it. Let's just focus on this love story. We'll, we'll mention some philosophical stuff, but we're not going to like, you know, go over your head or make you question reality all that much, or, you know, have all this introspection. We're just going to get to the love story. Right. Cause that's kind of the, the driving force of this movie. And I really enjoyed that. Um, the action, I, I don't want to repeat what you guys just said, but yeah, it's a little lacking. Um, I think Rodrigo hit the nail on the head. I think the Kung Fu aspects of this movie are, are severely lacking versus the other ones. Um, and that can come down to the fight choreography, just not being where it was. It could also come down to the fact that, you know, Keanu Reeves is 20 years older, despite what he looks like. And he can't move like a 30 year old anymore. Um, and uh, yeah, we won't get to spoilers with that last act, but I, I think uh, that that last act really saves it for me. Um, but yeah, I, I'm overall, I'm, I'm super high on this movie. I wouldn't give it like, you know, it's not up there with the matrix itself, but I would say of the sequels, it's definitely the best in my eyes. Um, you know, strong B for me. Do you guys agree? Yeah. I, I might even give it a higher grade for me. Yeah. yeah. But, but not matrix level, but definitely best no. of sequels. Yeah. I, the, the original is obviously there's a reason it's still uh, amazing, you know, upon rewatching and, yeah, I don't think anything you make could touch it. I mean, they would have had to really, really outdo themselves to to make people say it. Well, I just think that you would never be able to reach those levels of uh, of uh, innovation. I'll yeah, say. exactly. Um, it's not even so much innovation, though. Although, you know, when you think about it, like, you know, they comment on it, like, bullet time. And there's definitely a lot of things that are innovative in that movie. But if you boiled Matrix down... Um, to its nuts and bolts. And I rewatched the whole trilogy back in October, November. Um, and the first film is so miles ahead of all of them, but because in a way it's like, it's not meant to even go further in a way. Like it's a perfectly constructed kind of like, you know, who talks about, not that his word is like the, the, the word of God or anything, but like, you know, who talks about this movie a lot all the time is, is Christopher Nolan. And if you notice his movies are all kind of set up in the same kind of way, um, but they just end. They don't turn into franchises, but they're sort of constructed in a similar kind of like, here's a world. I, I'm, I'm, I'm the protagonist that doesn't know anything about this. I, 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 I'm not unclear to what this is. I dive into it and then I learn and then I get this big magical reveal and then it ends. And then it, it ends with, a, with an awing, right? Mm -hmm. Christopher Nolan always wants to awe you in the end and leave you with like your jaw on the floor and then just end and peace out and never come back. And that's kind of what the matrix does. I feel like, a, a, like uh, he's been really influenced for that for a reason. Like it's like, like, you know, even though his, his films are different, I feel like a lot of the, the its basic ideas are, are, are something he's ascribed to. Um, the other thing about it is that it's like, it's slightly, it suffers from, um, so a similar kind of idea of the horror film, like horror films generally, and it, like sequels are bad because once the reveal is, once the the magic trick is, the rabbit is out of the hat, like it's out of the hat, right? You didn't know what was going on. And then the rabbit or the monster in a horror film comes out and you've seen the monster. It's like, oh, okay, I've seen that thing. So it's not as scary the second time. There's no surprise. And the matrix has a similar idea in, in terms of its ideas in the world. And that's like the, you know, once the rabbit's out of the hat and you understand everything, you know, then it's like, Oh, okay. Wow. That's amazing. And then it ends, but then this films continue. So, but it's really sort of set up like Nolan does the same thing, sort of like the, the, the rabbit out of the hat. And then it's, Oh, wow. Now I can understand where this is all going. 
And um, so it's like, you know, the, the joy of the matrix, or if you watch that film in the first one closely, it's really about this guy who doesn't understand what's going on. He's, you know, the, the rabbit going or Alice going down the, the, you know, Alice in Wonderland and, you know, Alice doesn't know what's going on. And then she eventually figures it out and then it's over. So like the whole joy of that film is, is Keanu's character sort of like trying to figure out the world. Um, and then and then it ends, you know, with this great thing. He becomes this superhero and then it ends. And I honestly still believe to this day, it's like that that ending is so perfect. Yeah, so it really is. Ended, should have just ended right there. And you would have just been left with awe and wonder forever. And all the, uh, the, the continuing films, what they do is they rob it of mystery. Like that's what we do in 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 our um uh continued ongoing forever forever never ending storytelling as we rob things of mystery and the matrix was was had so much even when when it was sort of solved by the end you know quote unquote solved it still had just layers and layers of mystery to it again which is a, a thing that that nolan holds on to you you sort of like you get what happens but it's still it feels enigmatic and mysterious and and the subsequent sequels just kind of like rob it of all its mystery and, and that's part of the reason why it's um n- those subsequent sequels aren't that great okay so long rant over sorry the fourth film the matrix resurrections basically tries to reboot itself without spoiling anything and tries to give you tries to get you back into that same mode of like but the problem is the viewer already knows but it tries to put the protagonist back in the same spot of not knowing and that's the sweet spot of the matrix of not knowing and then going into the matrix diving into it plugging in and learning about it um so they re- attempt reattempt to do that but again the audience has already been through that ride so it's not as the surprise the thrill the element of all that it's it's that's missing and it'll always be fundamentally missing because it's built like that it's not like star wars where or or any other franchise it's not built on going down the rabbit hole mystery and figuring this thing out most franchises are just adventure stories and they go on the matrix is sort of different so i guess my long-winded argument is that like it just it can't never be as good as that first film because that first film is just and not because that first film is is amazing but because it's constructed in certain in a certain way that like it's just not really not really meant to go on you know i think the what you're describing is like he's this guy who desperately wants out of his like office box and he wants someone to come and kind of whisk him away and have that alice in wonderland experience but this movie they they kind of play with that so they do they kind of like you said try to have their cake and eat it too in that he yes he is experiencing that all over again but at the same time they flip it on its head they have this commentary about people and how we've kind of deluded ourselves and we don't want out of this fantasy that we've built up around ourselves so i think it kind of presents a really interesting kind of stance on on what you saw the first time around and i know some people probably roll their eyes and like oh yeah real great philosophical talk there but i thought it was at least you can't do it again but you could reframe it in an interesting way and i think they did that at least for me yeah so let's 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 pause for a second let's talk Mm -hmm. about this now in a spoilery way so that we can really get into that because i think that's an interesting thing before Um, we do that i do want to tell people if you can rewatch them rewatch yeah, the trilogy well, yeah. because this yeah. is it's really it's one of the movies that kind of requires it it, it sadly it's a, there are a lot of callbacks yes. um to even minor moments 
So definitely yes. uh, rewatch. Um, okay, so we're going to pause. We'll come back with a uh, spoiler discussion. They taught you good. Made you believe their world was all you deserved. But some part of you knew that was a lie. Some part of you remembered what was real. Okay, so gentlemen, let's get right to it. Uh, we were talking beforehand about the setup of this movie and how it kind of mirrors the first Matrix. And, and just to catch everybody up to speed, um, we find out in Resurrections that Neo is hooked back up to the Matrix. Um, he's hooked up opposite Trinity, um, but they've both been rebooted, so to speak. Uh, he's now a game designer who turned his Matrix visions into a video game franchise. Trinity is now Tiffany, a married mom living with Chad Stahelski. I would pause you for a second there, if I can. Sure. Because I think you're not quite getting it okay go for it go for it like i just i mean i'll let you go back on it but it's not that he's turned his the major it's like it's always been that in this world the matrix never existed it was always just a game right but he was he's been rebooted as a video game designer who and he still has these matrix memories um he doesn't know their memories he sees them as visions right but he basically has no recollection of it To, to say that he's been like he they're basically wiped slate the slates clean they're back to where they were in the beginning right. and the matrix essentially fundamentally to him and this world has never existed and all it was was a video game the entire that, time that, yeah that he designed that he he that basically he retold yeah. the story of the matrix trilogy as a video game franchise so in the movie no, not just just to be clear he didn't re, didn't go through the matrix experience and then said i'm going to make a game of it it never existed it was right. just in, in this in this version it's it's basically no. saying which is uh, it's just important because it's fundamental for a lot of people like even when you hear it it does sound really dumb it's like in, in this version of the matrix the matrix never existed all it is is a video game in the mind uh, created by uh, uh, um, Mr. Anderson, you Thomas know? Anderson. Yeah. Thomas no, what, Anderson. I, what I'm saying though, is, is that the, the basic premise is imagine you woke up and you had this story idea for this video game called the matrix. You make it into a trilogy because it's such a, like a, a vivid thought in your head. That's what he did. And he couldn't shake these thoughts of, um, they weren't memories. They were just this idea he had for the matrix and these characters. Right. Um, and, it, and it becomes meta because it becomes a, like a huge hit. It revolutionizes yes. video games. It becomes like one of the most heralded video game trilogies of all time. Um, and it even has it, people pontificating about what it means. Right. Yes. And so it, it totally mirrors the experience of the films through this game. And, and this is what, what he's created this game. And then it gets super meta in the, in the way that it's like, okay, this has been a super hit. And then all of a sudden the higher ups want uh, a new video game. Yeah. Just Warner they were going to make it without you regardless. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, which is like, I think is the key to the entire movie. Yeah. That line. Right. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Groff, who is Smith, uh, is, is the new Smith, essentially. Um, well, that's his character's name. Right. Smith. So yeah. he's he he's the CEO or whatever of the of the video game company. And he comes to Thomas Anderson and calls him to his office. Hey, we got to meet. And, and it's like, hey, you know, it's been however long it's been a decade or something probably the same amount of time as the first the last matrix film and he says like you know the higher ups say they 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 really want a sequel warner brothers want a sequel and they're going to make it with or without you so so are you in or you out essentially that's his proposition and that to me is like is is almost verbatim what they told lily and and lana um way back when probably about four or five years ago 
and the Zach Penn script. It. Sorry, the Zach Penn script. Yeah, you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, when Michael so, B. Jordan was going to be cast right, and all that. Right, right, right. So like that's that is is, is to me, and and one day that'll come out that that's verbatim, and and that's her way of like playing with like a at this strange fuck you again. I guess maybe it does apply this fuck you, but I'm also going to do it at the same time. Um, this cake you have your cake and eat it too, and so it's like. She, they said, we're going to make it with or without you. And, and I, as you guys just mentioned, certain people had, had been rumored to, um, to write drafts over the years. And I think Lily and Lana both were faced with like, all right, if we don't do this, they are going to make it and they have written a script and there is all this stuff. And then, you know, Lily says, well, you know, fuck that. I'm out. I don't care. They can go and make it without them. And Lana clearly has has to have a, a spiritual and existential crisis about making the entire thing and whether she should or not and then she turns that spiritual and existential crisis about selling herself out and whether she should do this or not into a movie yeah no i agree i think that see and and you're explaining it and that just sells me more on this idea i think the meta-ness of this movie really works um overall i should say there are moments where it's a bit much like uh the montage of uh thomas anderson struggling with his own mental stability and then montage that with you know these assholes in a boardroom trying to talk about what the matrix should be 20 years oh, later god those scenes are so painful <laughs> it's a bit <laughs> rough but the it's idea really, being that really painful Every but it's painful because boardroom. it's true like you can see that this is it's not only a commentary on all the people online talking about every which Wait, way it's a commentary they see about being in those boardrooms with warner brothers and how much contempt she has for it's, it's almost she's like she's got complete contempt for everybody at warner brothers and all the studio peoples and then made a, a film regardless in spite of all that in spite of knowing that she shouldn't in spite of knowing she has contempt for all of them in, in spite of knowing that this is a fucking soulless like cash grab effort but I, I, and then to that end i will admit she has a uh in going through this sort of crazy exercise she does create something um at least somewhat interesting in terms of its like i think mike said earlier it's funnier um, so it has like some of the, the, I don't think the meta stuff is very great, but when it gets really silly to the way, to the level that it's kind of fun and, and uh, humorous, that's when it's good. The love stuff is good and the, and the action is good, but it's a, it's a hard road of getting there. It's, it's pretty messy. I, I feel like this is a very interesting setup though, right? Like I, I feel that you're absolutely right. They, it, it's not a secret that Warner Brothers has been trying to get the Matrix rebooted in some capacity for the better part of 15 years to a decade, right? Yeah. And they were going to do it with or without the Wachowskis. And I think what's interesting is Lana has, Lana Wachowski has said this numerous times that she had this idea of a love story with Trinity and Neo based on, um, you know, the, the fallout of her parents dying and they died uh, not the same time, but within relative close proximity of each other. Um, And because of that, she had this idea of this like epic love story. And, you know, it's interesting that then she was like, well, do I want to go back to the matrix to tell this story? Um, And Lily was like, no and but you know you do you and because of that i think lana was like well i can't make this movie without commentating on the reason why i don't want to make this movie but i'm feeling compelled to and i think that's an incredibly interesting thing 
that's probably going to get lost on 99% of the people watching it who don't know oh, all the yes. behind the scenes stuff. No, but, but you can't help but know, know like it's so meta. It's pretty blatant. There's well, no it's blatant, but you don't know the, the I guess, the impetus for it. Even if you don't know the impetus of it, you can feel the, the, the war inside of it in the way that it's like the, the whole meta fighting itself, right? Like the, the commentary about itself and the commentary about sequels, you know, like, I think regardless if you don't know a lick of that, that's impossible to not notice. Yeah. And, and I think it's also interesting. Those, those cringy uh, montage scenes, they're, they're fun in the, in the, the juxtaposition with what Neo's going through. Um, but also uh, I think it's, it's also Lana Wachowski just admitting that she's sick of hearing everybody tell her what the matrix is about, um, which <laughs> I is, really liked that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought that that was super clever because you hear people talk about the matrix and they say things so definitively, you know, Oh, it's definitely a trans allegory. Um, you know, Oh, it's definitely a commentary on blah, 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 blah. You know? And it's it, in this movie, she's basically saying like, it's whatever you want it to be. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. What matters is this love story. And I, like, I applaud her for that. I yeah, guess same. like, I, I kind of agree with a lot of that stuff. But the other thing I think is really interesting is that I think we can, I think what my take is, I think a lot of people can be on board with and totally agree. It's just that results will vary. But I think like if you get that spiel about what, how it's built and, and how she, how it came about and, you know, all this stuff, I think most people can get on board in that, but some people go like, yeah, I like it regardless. And, and, and other people might be like, you know, I, you know, it, it loses me because of those things. But I think it's, uh, its intentions and where it's coming from this whole you know warner brothers like sort of like to me it's it's like it's a movie born out of a a, a like a gun to your head that's like <laughs> that, that's the starting point of of this film it's like that scene from seven where um you know the rain's coming down on on the head of of, of brad pitt's character and the guns at his head and you know it's a slow dramatic moment of whether he's going to pull the trigger or not you know and I, that's to me is like how this film was born, but it's Warner Brothers and, and the Wachowskis. Yeah, I just I, I see it more as almost like where, where I think people are going to either uh, love or hate this movie is your feeling on whether or not a piece of art can simultaneously be entertaining and also be commentating on why it shouldn't exist. Right. Like that's a a very (laughs) weird place to be, but this is a movie that actively jokes about reboots and sequels and how they're unnecessary and harmful, but then tries to be a reboot and a sequel because Lana Wachowski had this idea that she wanted to see through. And yeah, it's like almost like a gun to her head, but I think the Wachowskis almost would have been perfectly okay with somebody else taking over and then just, you know, it, almost like a Stan Lee sort of thing, like, you know, signs, a characters created by the Wachowskis and they go have your fun, you know, but uh, she felt so compelled that she had to come back and, and really make this movie that is just like almost painful in, in the meta sense where she's like, you know, has to live through this shit just to tell her love story. Yes. I, that's a good way of putting it because it's like um, the love story when it gets to it, like later deeper into the movie. And, and then when it starts to blossom is like the good stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's like uh, she has to not only wrestle with the, why I shouldn't do this. She puts it on screen rather than like get that baggage out of the way and, and do that on your own time, you know, not on my time, but she brings that into the movie and there's this whole like, angst and blah 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 blah, like for for like a good you know 
hour or something before it it almost it almost before before it even starts it has to argue with itself for an hour why it why it just why it should even exist yeah there's also a lot of uh, uh self-hatred in the movie i'm it, you know i'm not saying lana wachowski is is self-hating but you literally have the character of the merovingian in a, an entire fight scene <laughs> yelling about how terrible reboots and sequels are in almost like a, a he he looks like a madman and he's yelling in such almost an ir- incoherent way you just hear these like buzzwords like reboots sequels legacy and you're just like oh my god we're trying to have a fight here and you just can't escape it yes how they ruined that, his life all that kind that, of stuff that scene is like like brilliant and horrible at the same time it is I like love it so painfully annoying and yet kind of funny and brilliant but it's like it sort of sums up the entire movie and i think it sums up how people will feel about it and i think you 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 tee it up well charles and it's like we're trying to have an action movie here and then a bunch of old characters show up and start screaming about why the movie shouldn't exist and why it's (laughs) selling itself out while it's taking place it's like ridiculous yeah, I kind of love the bonkers elements of it, though, where you got annoyed. I was like, this is so great. I love that. And I think this is like the definition of a your mileage may vary sort of movie. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. As in terms of mileage will vary, I believe not that it should be the be all and end all of anything, but I believe it's like at 65 or something like that on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, which yeah, it's so. bound to be a divisive movie which it totally fits right like rotten tomatoes typically is you know it's it's a binary aggregator yeah. so it's either really good or really bad right there's no in between yeah. but if you to, if you look at a tomatoes a rotten tomatoes score as a, a a you know barometer for a movie this is definitely a 65 type of movie right it's like actually the parts that work really up, work yeah it's actually back up to 70 on rotten tomatoes and then always as, as as a smart thing to do if you if you take those things seriously is worth looking at metacritic which is more yeah. nuanced and more accurate to be frank and and uh, on metacritic it's at 64 yeah yeah so let's talk about the new elements of this movie because we we talked about the meta stuff but the new elements are super interesting because you have on the one hand you have characters like Jonathan Groff as the new smith you have Yahya Abdul-Mateen II as Morpheus which quite literally a reboot and then you have Jessica Henwick as a new character, Bugs, which I cringe at her name, but she's really <laughs> kind of fun in the movie. And then you have Neil Patrick Harris as the analyst. Um, so you have these two characters playing reboots and two characters playing new characters. Um, did any of these folks like stand out in a good way or bad way to you guys? I thought all of them were really great in their own way. I mean... Jonathan Groff, I'm really glad that he only did his Smith impression in that first introductory scene and with purpose. Yeah. The rest of it, he very much made it his own. Um, much more fashionable Smith. Fashionable, charismatic as hell. Um, and and same with Yaya. Like he was not, he he like partially was doing a Morpheus impression, but that was part of the character, you know? Yeah. That was, uh, he was an amalgamation of, neo's version of morpheus and morpheus and and you know i thought it was a really interesting way to kind of reframe the character and then bugs obviously she was just a fan of everyone you know i I put in my notes that she was leader of the fanboys yeah yeah exactly yeah i mean that, that that's one of the the weakest scene i think is the uh the introduction of the crew and they uh-huh. have a quote-unquote neologist. I was like, oh, God. But anyway. 
yeah. but it makes sense within the world, you know, I the suppose. figure that he is. Yeah. And then Neil Patrick Harris as the analyst, the kind of fun cousin of the architect. Um, yeah, which, exactly. I was going to yeah. say he's he's the architect, but like more egomaniacal and silly. Yeah, and silly. Not above cracking a joke about bullet no. time, which is so <laughs> weird. Um, Rodrigo, did anybody kind of drop the ball or hit it out of the park for you? Mm, not really. I think Henwick is kind of interesting, although her character, like the bugs thing and the tattoo, is kind of dumb. And um, but she's she's clearly um, she's the highlight, even though she's not much of a highlight. I think she's destined for be- bigger and better things um for sure and we and we still haven't really gotten a chance to to see her because you know i mean she's been in that you didn't love iron fist yeah she was like (laughs) iron fist she's been shortchanged a lot i feel like she's even shortchanged in this but she's clearly got a lot of charisma and presence and potential um so i'd like to i would really love to see her in something like genuinely good um and neil patrick harris is sort of the same he's kind of like it's kind of the way I sort of feel about the film. He's kind of awful, but he's kind of deliciously fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's like, yeah, I think that maybe even Groff is a little bit like that. He's kind of really fucking terrible, but it's uh, kind of fun because they're just so like evil villain chewing the scenery and twirling their mustaches about. Like, I mean, Neil Patrick Harris is just so over the top and so ridiculous it's like it's 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 um it's, it's like it, you know he should be um you know having twirling his mustache and, and petting a rabbit or something you know like, <laughs> it's so wouldn't have surprised me if that was in this in a scene <laughs> it, it was so silly but you know sometimes silly is it's a little bit enjoyable here and there mm-hmm. i think as i as it went on uh i started just uh being like all right whatever be silly fine like be dumb whatever let's just enjoy this like for what it is and you know that last act is fun so i i I gotta mention uh we mentioned a couple times but yaya abdul mateen the second is having so much fun as morpheus Mm -hmm. um it's almost as if he thinks he's getting away with something (laughs) like like he's winking at the audience like can you believe they let me fucking do this you know like everything about him is just slightly dialed up from what Lawrence Fishburne did in a really fun way um and I'm all about it I think he's a great actor I think he's got a lot of presence and his version of Morpheus is a lot of fun so yeah I defy you to tell me what Christina Ricci's purpose was oh just just to be there yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. What does she do? She's in it for like two seconds. She's in the boardroom. Right? Exactly. I was yeah. like, what's going on here? I mean, she was in uh she was in Speed Racer. So yeah. Right. I right. would have loved for her to have a point. I well, guess the other thing about, you know, I, just to tie back to something that you had said, I think Charles, about like um with Lana without Lily and all this stuff, and maybe it's too silly or having too much fun without her and stuff. It was like I might I might disagree because I think everything um post matrix is very silly like speed racer is very silly cloud atlas is very silly jupiter ascending is ridiculous and stupid um so like they've actually in in the aggregate i think they probably have more silly and ridiculous than they do like the solemn 
um, of the matrix. And, and the matrix is maybe the sweet spot of like the impossible and the ridiculous with maybe something a little bit more thoughtful and, um, uh, you know, philosophical, whereas, you know, I don't think any of those films have that except for Cloud Atlas and, and anything came up afterwards, you know, Jupiter Ascending is uh, pretty asinine in my estimation and, and Speed Racer is just, you know, a visual fun, silly thing, but yeah. Speed Racer is the anomaly for me. I don't, I never got it. Um, oh, I thought I, it was fun. It was I know that some people really like it, but it's just, it's, as a as a follow up to the Matrix movies, it just felt like it's really out there and and not. Right, but that's what I'm saying me. is like to me, it's like this is more in line with everything that they've done after the Matrix. Mm-hmm. I suppose. Like, I think even if, I, even if Lily's not around, I think the Cloud Atlas um, and Jupiter Ascending were them really trying like sincerely to make like thoughtful movies. I think Jupiter Ascending is is very. Uh, melodramatic and space opery, but they're trying to create their own Star Wars in that movie. So you kind of just sort of like, you know, whatever. I f- what I'm saying about this one, though, as far as the humor and the silliness, is I think whereas the jokes in the original Matrix movies were like Keanu Reeves' delivery of something like, whoa, you know, mm-hmm. where it's almost like this, you know, if it wasn't Keanu Reeves saying it, it wouldn't have been funny. This actually has like Marvel style quips almost, where you're, it's, it's jarring at first a little bit. To, to laugh openly at a Matrix movie, it just it feels weird. So, yeah, yeah I it's agree. definitely, it it's definitely um, obviously hyper self aware and has some fun with that. And and there's definitely it's it's, it's definitely more fun and funny um, in a way that the Matrix movies in the past definitely were. So at least there's it's got that going for it. Yeah. So I want to talk. We talked about the last act, and I think that this really is the the heart and soul of this movie because it does give you the love story finally between uh, Neo and Trinity, but it also gives you what is the most interesting um, action scene, I would say, which I think is after the big brawl in the bar or the cafe, but that uh, the idea that they can now make a horde of, you know, crazed people like zombies and (laughs) having them drive that motorcycle, which is uh, one of Keanu Reeves own uh, arch motorcycles, by the way. Um, but having people literally throw themselves out of buildings to act as like human missiles um, is is really interesting. And I really enjoyed that uh, that chase scene. Um, and, and to me, that's the only scene in the movie because the Kung Fu was a little sedate, sedated that I felt like could rival the best of the original trilogy. Yeah, that, last, that, that, that action sequence is fucking terrific yeah it, it is a little heavy on the uh keanu does his matrix hands and things go boom <laughs> but i i still enjoyed it i still had a lot of fun yeah they don't let him fly until the very end which is a bummer so what do they do they give him the force mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um <laughs> which is kind of such a generic kind of one note ability that it's it's a little I don't know. I, I, I was kind of lost by that. Like why of all the yeah. things you could do, do you just make him have the force, but you know? Yeah. I think that's why the action kind of underwhelmed me is that was a lot of his moves. Yeah. Um, that's the only thing he had. Right. And it, mm-hmm. it was just basically a, uh, if you think of that action sequence as fun as it is, uh, it's kind of, it, it's got one big cheat, which is basically piano blocking anything that's going to be of, of, uh, of you know danger and he just keeps doing that over and over and over and over again and 
um, getting them out of trouble. So there's is not much to it in that way, but I got to say, it's really enjoyable. It's really fun. I mean, it's just basically trying to get them to that crescendo of like jumping off the roof, I guess. Yeah. Spoiler, they, they, they jump off a roof. Um, <laughs> They've said it in pretty much every interview. So I'm, I'm well, not sure. just that it's in the trailer. I was rewatching yeah. the trailer and there's the scene of the two of them jumping off. They just cut it right before the, the big reveal, which is. And, and apparently they actually really did that and really did it like many yeah. times. I'm like, they flew. <laughs> no, they jumped they, off the building on wires. Oh, that seems insane that they actually did it. I mean, mm-hmm. we're in a they world really? where Tom Cruise does it for a living. That's Tom Cruise. Like yeah, but the Wachowskis were pretty for for being known as these pioneers of like special effects. They did a lot of practical shit. Oh, I mean, on, on they movies. they literally had to teach the the cast of the Matrix how to do fake kung fu mm-hmm. because they wanted to <laughs> do as much you know with the original actors as they could. So yeah, but yeah, final act really good. But it, as we tease, they jump off the building and it's revealed that Trinity is kind of the the hero of this movie, right? She can finally fly. Um, and then we see kind of this uh, climax of the, well, not climax, but the, the, the end of the movie, the, the ribbon on the package is this scene with Trinity, Neo and the analyst, Neil Patrick Harris, where it's clear that now Trinity has the ability and, and presumably Neo to rewrite the matrix on the fly, um, which is very interesting. And it seems as if they're going to create their own kind of utopia. Now, uh, what do you think of this ending? And, is this now the definitive ending of the franchise or is this just setting up another sequel? I mean, all, all, <laughs> all good sequels ultimately end in a way that could be either way. Um, and this one is very much that the Warner brothers could easily make a couple more to spark off of this. Um, and I'm sure they might, if you know, the streaming numbers are okay. God knows the box office isn't going to be great. Um but yeah, I think it, it could go either way easily. Did you like the ending? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Rodrigo, what'd you think? Um, it was fine. Whatever. It's kind of more gumbo mumbo jumbo of gumbo, blah, 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 blah. I can rewrite this code or whatever. Did I? I was like, I mean, she what? literally punches the jaw off Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, it's fine it's whatever i mean at this point like they could easily set up more sequels the, the problem though is that and the problem that they one of the reasons that it took so long for this to happen it and why there was other scripts written and all that other stuff is that um you know they need keanu and um he and they need uh carrie Ann moss and they won't come back if, if one of the wachowskis is not involved um, and so that's really what was the, the, the thing that got Warner brothers when, you know, when she said she was going to do more, like, can she get them? And of course she can, you know, and that makes it, you know, that's why it's also like a, another legacy kind of sequel. Right. It's got, it's like, that's all that's been happening lately is like all these like nostalgia flashback, whatever inverted, inverted pat on the back, kind of whatever the, <laughs> this is trying to do. And um so, but they're in they're in a, that kind of weird pickle that I'm sure like Lana could almost leave them in this place and be like, okay, well, I left you in a place that you could re, you could you could restart and do whatever you want. You can have it now, but they'll need Canu and and Carrie Ann Moss for that, and they don't seem to be at all interested in it without doing without, without one of them. So, I don't know. 
Yeah, I think it's interesting, right? So I'm uh, the ending I enjoy just as the ending of this movie. Um, I also think it's a pretty great ending to the franchise. And I kind of, you know, naively think that they should just end it that way. But um, I think what Lana did is she simultaneously set it up to potentially have more stories while also making it so that you really can't tell another story. You now have two characters who are incredibly overpowered, right? who can literally rewrite the fabric of reality as, you know, a snap of a finger. Um, and where do you go with that? Nobody wants to see that movie. Yeah. That's that- it should, it should, be, it should, <laughs> it should be over. Right. Like, yeah. It should be like they won essentially. They have all the power they've won. The good guys win the end. And that's how like a lot of these, that, that's storytelling. That's how, you know, these things, that's how the first matrix should have ended, you know? Yeah. Um, but unfortunately the nature of, of capitalism is that, it will continue in some form or another. Um, but they'll have to reboot it, is what I'm saying, right? Like that's no, the- not necessarily just like with the other ones, there's still the war, only the lines are being blurred a little bit. You know, the curtain, the veil is being lifted. So they still could easily make, you know, the machine war and the humans and you know, the matrix within that, obviously. No, what I mean though is they have to literally reboot the matrix. Like they have to do another version oh. of the Matrix. Well, the, yeah, that's been done many times within the Matrix series itself. Right. So that's what I'm saying is that the way to do it, I think, if you want to, is because you, you're right, Rodrigo, they're not going to do it without Lana Wachowski. And I think if Lana Wachowski returned for a fifth one, that's kind of like undermines every bit of commentary of this movie. Yeah. Um, so she really can't uh, or shouldn't, I should say. And then you're just left with, okay, we got to, call up Michael B. Jordan and see if he really wants to do it. You know, like that's, that's kind of where I think you're at with this. And then at that point, it's like, what are we doing? Like, come on. What if you told uh, other stories within the world of the matrix? I mean, it would essentially be, I think that's inevitable. I think it, it ends up being the same kind of story because if you get a new character that they're trying to doesn't necessarily have to be the chosen one, but, but like, what else can you do? It's like, you can tell further stories. So it would probably have to be someone that you unplug from, you know, the matrix into the, the, the real world, which is, you know, the Zion and all that stuff. So, but then you're, I guess that would be in a way, maybe a, a soft reboot because you're telling a similar story, but you're obviously doing it with new actors and, and but that still on, on a script level, like how is that different? Like that, it's, it's yeah. a really tough road, you know. It's, it's interesting because I, I, as we're talking about it, I can't shake the feeling that they're in a Terminator situation, right? Mm-hmm. Like Terminator Two was such a perfect ending to the franchise, and they yeah. tried to just reboot it, didn't work. Then they're like, all right, fine, we'll do Salvation. We'll just talk about the war, you know? That didn't work. They tried every angle, and yeah, they, and, they, and they explored everything, and and. I mean that franchise is dead. It's a good that's a, it's a good um, analogy because it, it is the rare um, franchise that that works even though you know it does have similar horror elements where like the the the, the guys out of the you know the surprise and and all that is over. He's out, you know, in a way. Um, but it's the rare the sequel that's just just terrific, you know. And of course, James Cameron has always been the one to, to do it. He's done it twice now. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I just I just feel like anything any any which way this story goes now is just either a retread or a story I'm not interested in seeing 
or just completely silly and over the top. Like there, I don't want to see the war with Zion. We got the good Zion war or now it's IO, but we got the good human versus machine war and revolutions. Um, I don't need to see the creation of the matrix. We don't need to get rid of all the mystique, you know, like let's keep some of it. Uh, and I definitely don't want to see another chosen one story. Like, come on. Yeah. You don't want to like- see uh, machines and humans realize that they can work together and, <laughs> figure out the blotting of the sun and kumbaya you know you don't want to see that no <laughs> I don't, no but that it, sounds it feels like that would be something they'd do you look at all the other options and then you kind of realize the only way forward is to keep going with keanu and um and carrie ann moss and where this is going right even though it is like you said like god how do you how do you write this they're the most all-powerful beings now but like it almost feels like that's the only way forward and yet nobody's going to do that because no one's probably going to go on for more yeah i mean yeah they're they're both approaching an age where you know as much as we all love keanu reeves like you can't do this sort of kung fu stuff anymore as well um and yeah i just i i don't need to see it anymore (laughs) like i got my i feel the same with uh with the the spider-man movie right like, I don't, I, I'm happy where they left that movie, but it could also be the end and I'd be perfectly fine. You know, I, I, I'm almost just desperate to just call up Warner Brothers and say, just don't, just don't, 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 don't. Leave money but, on the table, please. I know. Well, the thing <laughs> is, if this, you know, it doesn't have a huge Rotten Tomato score, Metacritic score, whatever, critics were mixed on it, where uh, Omicron is, is, is really spiking right now. Um, it, there are projections already saying this is going to get get its ass kicked once again by Spider-Man No Way Home, and it just doesn't have the same appeal anymore. And it, it's going to be on HBO Max, so everybody can watch it at home. Maybe even if everybody wants to go forward, there's not going to be another one. That's true. I mean, and and honestly, it's it's also a big ask from people. Like, we're not even kidding. If you haven't seen the movie. Uh, you got to really see Revolutions and Reloaded. And that's a big ask for some people um, because either they watched them in 2003 when they came out and were like, oh, that don't need to watch that again. Um, or they just never watch it and just have the, the ending with Keanu flying up to the camera from the Matrix in their head. <laughs> then they're thoroughly confused by this. Yeah, because this movie literally has callbacks all the time. Like, mm-hmm scenes from the matrix and the sequels all the time so yeah i just you know i i don't see it having big box office legs that's for sure uh hbo max movies they'll they'll of course say it was the biggest thing since sliced bread um you know but they won't give us any sort of stats um and you know maybe we'll get an hbo max prequel series or some shit but that's no no more prequel series (laughs) or the matrix was created the creator of the matrix it'll it'll take place in like 2050 and it'll be about the start of the machine war it'll be about like a, an elon musk you know creating the first like highly advanced ai and yeah it was Thanks. about the app that turned everything into the matrix wait yeah. that sounds like something else <laughs> oh yeah genesis okay <laughs> hey i'm uh, glad dark fate exists guys i am too as a as a legacy whore sometimes i i do like <laughs> um, my occasional nostalgia um but yeah so any last thoughts on the matrix before we wrap this up because i think uh i think basically what we've said is that it's very meta 
some of the action's great, kind of funny, but also didn't need it. Oh, didn't need it. Come on. I don't man. think we needed it. I'm very happy we got it. Well, I'll just say that. Okay. Rodrigo, any last seen, thoughts? It could be seen as, um, I don't know, maybe some people would see it as redemption for the revolutions and reloaded. Yeah, I'm interested to to hear what people say who like hated the sequels, what they say about this. Yeah. I mean, I I think upon rewatch uh revolutions in particular, because I did rewatch that the night before we saw this, mm-hmm. I think that that actually uh holds up quite well. Um reloaded still has its issues. But um that damn architect scene. Oh my god. I really but, like uh, it. which is the last one? <laughs> revolutions is the last one. Oh, I think the last one is definitely the weakest. Really? Oh, yeah. I like the Zion stuff upon rewatch. The war. Well, the thing is, you you watch those other two. They're perfectly fine and and oh yeah, perfectly watchable things for sure. It's just they so pale because they don't have any of that mystery and the awe and the wonder of the first one. You know, all that's gone, and it's that that same evaporation is the same again. I I hate to keep using that analogy, but it's sort of the it's the same kind of thing that happens with like horror movies when horror movies don't have that special je ne sais quoi special sauce of the of the mystery of what this horror what is this horrific thing right we know it's something that's in the shadows it's been in the water but then it's out and you know yes there are some popular horror f- sequels but i probably in the aggregate this is maybe like 90 percent versus a good 10 percent. right it's like yeah. it's hard to um uh get past that that missing special sort of mysterious ingredient that's even hard to explain but um the matrix definitely definitely has that right yeah i agree i think uh that's why i kind of meant by we don't need this as much as i enjoyed uh this movie and i did thoroughly enjoy it um i i i really didn't need another sequel to this um i would perfectly have been happy with just watching the matrix the original movie and kind of forgetting about the sequels um uh, but you know now this movie kind of required me to watch the other ones again but uh yeah, I just, I, you know, even with my nostalgic brain, as much as I love this stuff, I, I almost, especially in discussing it with you guys, I almost feel bad it was made. <laughs> like, I almost want to write a letter to Lana Wachowski and be like, I'm sorry they made you do this just to tell your love story. Oh God, I would pay so much money to talk to her. Even yeah. If just, you have five questions with her. Yeah. And, and five minutes. I'd be like, absolutely. Yes. I would kill to talk to her. I also want to throw it out there that like, if any of us get a chance to interview Zach Penn, we definitely have to do oh, yeah. that just so we can <laughs> ask about this. And the same thing with, if we, any of us ever talk to Michael B. Jordan again, get his, you know, take, I probably was much other than like, yeah, they approached me and I was, and I was interested in it. And maybe if it was a good script, I would I'd go, but it's probably not anything more than that, but I would love to, you know, people have kind of forgotten that story, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Michael B. Jordan has never found a franchise he hasn't said yes to. So um, <laughs> he, he was probably like Matrix. Sure. Yeah. Cool. They're like, we haven't even told you what it's about. doesn't matter. Um, but yeah. Okay. So we're going to wrap this up. Thank you, Rodrigo. Thank you, Mike, for for shooting the shit again, talking about Matrix. Um, everybody, Matrix comes out on HBO Max. Uh, you should see it in theaters, but don't do it if it's not safe. Um, just watch it on HBO Max because Keanu gave you your thumbs up. You're allowed to. So <laughs> go right ahead. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys. Uh...